HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hi, I'm Allie Kane. Welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building and growing consumer brands. When we launched a line of fresh sauces, I knew we were jumping into something crazy. Haven's Kitchen is a cooking school, cafe, and event space. A product that people buy in grocery stores is an entirely new business, and I had a lot to learn. So in my efforts to get myself educated, I started meeting everyone I know and respect who could advise me on production and distribution, sales and legal, PR, and social media. Then I started having those conversations here as a podcast so that other entrepreneurs can learn from them as well. This is the story of Haven's Kitchen Sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Hi everyone, it's Courtney here. You may remember me from an episode last year where I was interviewed as a merchant for an online grocer. And now I'm the field marketing manager at Haven's Kitchen one year later. Allie's away this week, so I'm the lucky host of today's episode. It's kind of perfect, actually, because my guest is Laura Nettleman, founder of Supermarketers, a boutique marketing company based in the Northeast, which focuses on demos, events, and pop-ups. I have loved working with Lauren and her team, so I'm super happy to have her here to talk demos today. Lauren Nettleman enjoyed in, um, majored in musical theater at the Boston Conservatory of Music. After going on tour with Fiddler on the Roof, she then moved to New York City and found a part-time job in the food demonstration world. From there, Lauren built her contacts and her reputation in the natural food and beverage industry, and after five years, started her own business. It has now been three years that Lauren has acted as the CEO and owner of Supermarketers, and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. And I'm excited to be here. Hey. Um, so Lauren does a lot of the demos for us, our in-store demos for us at Haven's Kitchen. So um, her and I work really closely together, and I'm super excited to kind of pick her brain today because I feel like she has some really useful um you know, uh, tidbits and knowledge mm-hmm. for for other small companies that she could share. Um, 
So yeah, Lauren, welcome to In the Sauce. Thank you for having me. Thank I'm you really for excited coming. to be here. Awesome. Um, so first off, I think it's important for us to maybe define a little bit uh, what field marketing is for some people who may be a little bit confused by it. Um, so field marketing in a nutshell is um, how I like to explain it. It is a like a customer facing experience mm-hmm. in the field. Right. So that can mean uh, events, pop-ups, or demos, right? Correct. And that's where you kind of come in. Anywhere where human interaction is happening in the physical sense. Exactly, exactly. So uh, could you maybe tell us a little bit more about uh, like what Supermarketers does? Sure. Um, so Supermarketers predominantly does in-store demos and events for brands in the natural space with um, a prime focus on food and beverage. Um, and what brands do is they come to me, They request what stores or special events they want my team to activate. We coordinate. I get everyone trained, and we hit the ground running. Wow. That's... uh, (laughs) It sounds easier than it is. It does. (laughs) I say that because I know (laughs) firsthand that it it sounds like you said it beautifully, and it's like, oh, wow, I could totally do that in in a heartbeat. But there's so much more that goes into it. Correct. Um, And I love uh, maybe... So, like, how did you get into into this? Like, what were you like as a kid? Did you, like... Yeah, I guess we should start there. That's yeah. start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. Love my musical theater quotes. Um, so yeah, my dad has always worked for a supermarket or a pharmacy store. He still does. He works for Fresh Market in Florida. Um, so I was always in and out of a store like when I was a kid. And it's actually really interesting like being in that same space with my dad because we'll have conversations where he's like, oh, I had to restock the coffee candy today. And like <laughs> somebody spilled the coffee because they have like free coffee samples there. Mm-hmm. And I just like know exactly what he's talking about now because I also – stock the shelves like a demo is sometimes we have to go find back stock and yeah. go do what we need to do in order for, for the demo to happen um so it's just like full circle like being able to connect with my dad on that on that level and I also just remember sitting down at the cof- the coffee table or the kitchen table when I was a kid and cutting coupons with my mom to go grocery shopping um, and I remember like one grocery trip, they actually owed her five cents at what? the end and her like receipt was super <laughs> long. Um, so yeah, I've been on like both ends of the grocery spectrum, like growing up. Um, so I've always kind of been in the space and now I work in it too. Oh, so that's really, I didn't, I didn't realize that you had got, like, I feel like you and I, we, we talk so much, we work so closely together. Yeah. I didn't realize that you had that, uh, that background. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, so when you were younger, like, what did you want to be? Were you so, always like a music, you were always into, into music? Yeah. So I like never grew up being like, I want to work in a supermarket, but I always like knew that I was like really energetic and I was a people person and I was very, um, out there in terms of look at me. Hi, I'm here. And I like to dance and sing and Mm -hmm. kind of performing was the place that I, I got into and I knew I wanted to pursue, pursue performing because it fit me as a person. Um, but I didn't know that, that there were like other ways to use that passion to do something else that I would fall in love with. Um, and I think of every demo that, that I do as a show. Mm-hmm. And I, lo- I like, love the fact that every show is, a dif- is different and that I get to use my acting and improv skills within the activation. Okay. So, so. Okay, so you, came, you came to New York mm-hmm. 
and you were with Fiddler on the Roof. Yes. You have this amazing personality. You're super outgoing. And like, I I know this firsthand because I work with you and I've watched (laughs) you do demos. Um, Incredible in the field, you and your team. Thank you. Um, So what really... What got, got you into, into that? Yeah, like what got... <laughs> right, no, we're going from like raising, oh, my dad worked in a supermarket, then I performed, and then I came to New York after Fiddler on the Roof, and how did I get here? Yeah. Um, so it is a funny story. I actually found my first food demonstration job by experiencing an actual demo in store. It was at the Upper West Side Whole Foods, and I tried the product and mentioned jokingly, wow, this is really good. I could sell this product with no problem. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, the marketing manager was behind the table and she was like, actually, like we really need help. I'm the marketing manager. I, I really need to be in the office and we are looking for people. And the next thing I knew, I myself was behind the table. Like they interviewed me. They're like, okay, you're great. Come on board. And um, at that point... That's when, you know, I found the perfect mesh where I can merge what I learned in theater school into the world of sales. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So how long were you doing that before you realized that you could do this on your own? Right. So I think that kind of brings us to the question of like, how did you like know that this was something that you were good at? Yeah. Um, I had amazing sales, but I didn't know that I was the only one to kind of have that. Like, I thought everyone was doing the same thing as me and getting the same results as me. Uh huh. And I remember going to Gowanus Whole Foods on a weekend and selling about 200 bottles of this product in, in four hours. Wow. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, everyone's doing this. This, mm-hmm. this is not just me. Um, and being such an independent job, you know, I'm thinking I'm doing great. The person next to me is doing great. But then I started to get more requests of, hey, Lauren, we hear you have good sales. Like, do you have any time to do demos for us? Um, How about me? How about me? And I was like, I knew something was up. I can't be the only brand ambassador in New York City. Like, it's a city of millions. Little did you know you were just that good. (laughs) Right. And so I started to, like, you know, peer at others and be like, I wonder, like, you know, what's going on here? Um, And I noticed there was just an absence of personality and poise. Most of these people were just standing around. Um, a lot of times they're on their phone, not yeah. even giving a welcoming invitation. Mm-hmm. You see that so often. Yeah. And here in New York City, that I feel really the invitation is key because in a city where like everyone is disconnected and mm-hmm. you know just on their headphones or whatever, just inviting someone to your table or simply giving them a smile when they do have their headphones in is one of the most important things you can do as it shows you're welcoming and you're there to serve. Um, If you're just standing there like on your phone or staring off into space, like no one's going to want to approach you. And that's the first thing that you need to do is, you know, hey, come, you know, would you like to try this? Like give a nice warm invitation and I promise you, you will get far in your demo if you at least, like, start there. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I I, I saw you uh, doing demos prior to even contacting you. Oh. Uh, you, I remember we had, oh, actually, no, we had, we were emailing because uh-huh. um, a, a fellow brand had um, had recommended you. I think mm-hmm. it was Partake Foods, mm-hmm. the cookie brand. Mm-hmm. Um, they had recommended you, and I think we were emailing, and you were like, oh, I'm going to be in these locations at this at these times, and I kind of, like, Come on over and visit. Uh Mm Uh-huh. But I don't think I told you. I think I just, like, 
on for one of them, I was just like watching you, and then on the Upper East Side, I saw you as an, at a second one, and that's when I introduced myself. And I just I remember the you Sherlock were Holmes over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what can I say? You know, oh, I, I have I have more than one skill. So um, but I remember you were training a brand ambassador, and you were yes. just very involved, and you you really made um, an effort to to explain to her the importance of. Of, of talking about the product and, and bringing people to the table. Because like you said, like you get so much foot traffic in some of these stores mm-hmm. and people don't have, they don't have time nor do they want to really stop by. Yeah. Um, so I think, um, I think, like I said, you and your team do a really great job of doing that. And so when you're, you know, as you're developing this company or you realize that you have like an, uh, a talent for it, mm-hmm. like you saw, you said that you saw that there was like a lack of. Yeah. That got me thinking, well, my whole Facebook is full of artist friends. I have all the right people for this job. Oh, yeah, because you, you went know. to Boston Conservatory. Exactly. Uh-huh. My whole Facebook is artists and actors and people who are, you know, extroverts mm-hmm. <laughs> like myself. Um, and on the other side of things, I was like, well, what a great thing would it be if I could bring more flexible part-time work to the artist community? Like, I get to give back and do something that I love. Um, so once I had this thought, I would say it was maybe like three years in, two and a half years maybe, of Mm -hmm. being like an independent contractor brand ambassador. Um, Once I had that thought of starting my own company, it definitely wasn't instant. Um, From that point, I I kept like trucking along and went from brand to brand, calling pretty much called myself like a brand builder and just killing it in sales as an independent brand ambassador to Mm -hmm. build my relationships within the industry. And then once my relationships were strong, I then opened my LLC and a few months later, um, actually one of the brands that I had done independent work for for two years straight signed on with me to be my first client. So building those relationships, Mm -hmm. sticking with them really worked. Um, And from there, I just hired my actor friends and the rest is history. That's that's really great. That's amazing. Um, So, you know... you're, so you're at, you have your team, you're mm-hmm. at these demos, mm-hmm. you're pushing product, you're engaging with people. Is that, is that, is that it? Oh man. Is that <laughs> No, I wish it was that easy. There's, the, there's the back end, the scheduling. Now we have a new system, um, mm-hmm. you know, for a specific grocer that is just a little bit more difficult, um, than it used to be. So it's um, not just for the people who, who are like, uh, who don't know what this process of, of, of demos, mm-hmm. it really means. Is it just like you show up at a store? Like what are you, when no. you're, when you're talking about <laughs> scheduling, <laughs> she, guys, she just gave me a look. <laughs> no. <laughs> so can you talk me through a little bit more what that process is? Sure. So, my main thing when a brand comes to me is I want to take all the stress off your plate and give it to myself. Um, I'm 31 and I don't know how many grays I have, but um, I don't want to take the time to count. <laughs> Can't see them from here. But it, it is more than just saying, hey, go to the store and mm-hmm. set up a table. Um, once I'm done scheduling for one month, all of a sudden it's ready to schedule the next. There's never a day that I don't stop trying to either schedule or making sure something is set or someone has gotten sick and making sure I have um, someone to step in for that specific activation that day. Or, hey, Lauren, we have this um, kind of last minute event. It's happening next week. Can you handle this for us? Um, Of course, more leeway is always, you know, 
needed, uh, not needed, but always liked, but mm-hmm. someone has come to me bef- like a week before the event and sometimes a day before and I hustle to, to get it done. Um, so there is so much more to just having your brand ambassadors also like training them, you know, I am, and I'm happy that you're like, Lauren, you're like, when I saw you, you were training your, your person in, in store. Like that is something I think is very important to do. Um, especially, you know, as an actor, like we come and we do a show with a director Mm -hmm. and the director speaks to them on what they want and sometimes shows them what they need. And I think being there in person with them, um, to gauge how to speak with a consumer is super important. Um, of course, sometimes it can't happen all the time, but if I can make it happen, I will be there. Um, because that person is new to the show, you know, maybe they're, they're coming in and, they haven't had a rehearsal, so mm-hmm. I'm there to bring them into that rehearsal. Gotcha. I, I like the uh, the comparison. Yeah. <laughs> You'll hear a lot of theater comparisons today. Uh, amazing, <laughs> amazing. Um, so we're going to take um, uh, a step back. We're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to, when we come back, we're going to dive into the nitty gritty of demos and what brands need to do to make a successful demo program. Awesome. Sounds like a great plan. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Korsha Wilson, and I'm the host of A Hungry Society here on HRN. A Hungry Society focuses on highlighting dope people doing amazing work in food, and we talk about how we can make the culinary world a more diverse and inclusive space. You can join the conversation by checking out A Hungry Society wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. It's Courtney from Haven's Kitchen, and I'm back with Lauren Nettleman from Supermarketers, the company that helps us out with our in-store demos. Um, So we mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. demos is a huge part of field marketing. And, um, you know, those of us who are in the field, we are constantly dealing with our consumers. We're the ones dealing with the buyers. We're hearing the direct feedback from our customers. We are boots on the ground. Yeah. And you have been a huge part of um, helping us out in that area as, you know, Haven's Kitchen has, um, as we've been growing over the last year or so. Um, we dived a little bit earlier into how important um, it is to like be organized and for you to like get your schedule and get your team on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a brand who is brand new to this, how do you suggest or how would you advise them to approach demos? Like what is, what's the main objective besides selling units? Sure. So I would advise a brand to think about demos as definitely an important part to an emerging brand. People want to experience things, especially now. Um, and a demo is a perfect way to do that. You can't get better than touching, tasting, feeling, uh, what you're going to purchase. Um, 
But there are also other realms of marketing that are just as important too, like social media. Um, now, now are we talking main objective, like during a demo? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in acting class, we're, we're going back to theater <laughs> here. I like this. I I really, like this. this is why I love my job because <laughs> I really like mesh the two together. Yeah. You've been able to like, uh, take what you went to school for and like what you're super passionate about and apply it to different facets of yeah. your life. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so in acting class, we always ask ourselves, what's your super objective? Now, we have other, other objectives around the super objective. So, for example, our super objective is to sell a pouch or two of Haven's Kitchen to a customer. Our first objective within this super objective is to get them to come to the table. And this is where our nice welcoming invitation would come into play. And then once they oblige, you know, oh, sure, I'll try. Our next objective is to get them to stay long enough to try the product and educate them on the specialties of it. Then our final piece to the puzzle is the actual super objective, which is to close the sale. Oh, what do you think? Would you like to take one home today? Now, within these smaller objectives are what we call um, tactics. And in order to know what tactics to use, a quick read of the customer is needed. Like, you got to do it fast. So, so, like, body language? Yes, body language. Do they have a basket on them? Uh, do they look in a rush? Perhaps they have kids. Um there's always like a general pitch for every brand because sometimes we only have 15 to 20 seconds. However, in theater school, we're taught about tactics to get the, to these objectives. Mm -hmm. And these tactics are different dependent on who's in front of your table. Um, so for example, a mom with kids nearby, I might say, oh, these are perfect, perfect to cook a quick, delicious meal when you have like a big day of after school activities going on. Or if there's like an older man who's in a business suit, I might say, oh, these are perfect to like whip up a fast, amazing meal after a long day of work. You're talking about Haven's Kitchen Sauces, right? Yes. Okay, I thought so. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so making like this quick read of the consumer in front of you and acting upon it is also really important to coming closer to your super objective of selling the product. And this is why I try my best to hire actors and or artists within my team because I really think they understand this and they know how to implement this process. Okay, so it's a lot of body language. It's a lot mm -hmm. of thinking quick on your feet. Yes. You and, and I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier where that there's like a lack of engagement. So like no on your phones mm -hmm. as a brand ambassador. You you're cannot not on, read a customer when you're on your phone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So you're, you're at the table. You have, you know, people coming up. You have a great brand ambassador and units are flying. How do you measure success? Sales during a demo are very important to me. At the end of the day, our super objective is to sell the product, so I hope we do that. However, I think it's important for brands to know they can't measure the success of their brand by the day of the demo alone. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, we might be in the store for three to four hours once or twice a month, but the store is open nine hours a day, 30 days, 30 days out of the month. Um, so we're a very small part. And the numbers on the day of the demo are important, but watching the trend afterwards is just as important as well, um, as well as doing other things to support the trend aside from demos. Um, you know, perhaps no one needs Haven's Kitchen today, but perhaps they have a busy day next Tuesday and remembered you and picked one up for a quick meal prep. 
Um, and I know, I remember we had a talk about that where I was like, oh, are we hitting your average? Like, I hope we are. Like, I yeah, am I very, that. like, <laughs> into the day of the demo. I'm always asking my people after their demo's done, how did it go today? Um, I'm really into it. And I'm sure they're probably, like, thinking in their head, Lauren, just check the recap. Like, <laughs> but I want to know, like, Yeah, in you want to know now. <laughs> yeah, I get so into it. Um, but I hope they still love me for that. <laughs> it's hard um, not to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and, and I remember you saying, Lauren, like our numbers like have went up, like our averages, like per, I don't know, I think it's per month you were looking at have went up. So like whatever you're doing is working. Don't worry about just the day of. And I think you actually taught me that valuable lesson that yes, the demo, the day of the demo is important, but Let's see like where we've gone since then. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I mean, I think so some retailers, it's a little bit easier to pull like day to day or Mm -hmm. week to week sales. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I started looking when I first started in this job, I was looking at day by day and I realized that I Mm -hmm. I went into like a data analysis paralysis Mm -hmm. and like, yeah, the day the demo was great. And then, and then what, like, what does that mean? And Mm -hmm. I'm looking like two days out, three days Mm -hmm. out and I was driving myself crazy. And then when I realized that if I just took a step back, Mm -hmm. you know, it, I would look, now I'm looking more at the week because let's say there was a demo on a Sunday, Mm -hmm. their reporting system maybe doesn't catch up. Mm. and we're seeing like we're not capturing all of the sales or um like you said people would come in on a Sunday because maybe they're just grabbing like a quick you know bite or you know something to make dinner really quickly that day and then they come in on Monday or Tuesday and we're seeing the impact of the demo in the three days afterwards sometimes yeah so um I think that that's at least that's something that I've learned it's been really important yeah and I think that brands need to take that and do that as well is you know, make sure you are having a good demo. You know, every demo is different. It might rain one day. You might have slow traffic the next. But at the end of the day, are you seeing a lift in your sales, mm-hmm. like, over time? Yeah. Um, and so h- how many brand ambassadors do you have on <laughs> in your pool? Yeah, so that all depends on how many brands are active at a specific time. I can have anywhere between, like, 10 and 25 um, I'm, I'm a small boutique, like market experimental marketing company. Um, so I never have a plethora of people. I know everyone by their first and last name. I've met everyone. I talk to them. I text them all the time. Um, and you know, for me, that's important. Um, also New York city is the highest grossing region for a lot of grocery stores. Um, and I think if I can give, uh, you know, really good service in one place, um, I would rather do that than become this huge national conglomerate that doesn't know the person working in the state nearby. Um, I like having that personal connection with my team. Yeah, so dominate your region, yeah. kill it at what mm-hmm. you're doing. Yeah. That's awesome. And you, like I said, I, I, I can't, like, I almost, I just want to keep repeating that it's, it's so awesome working with you and your team. Oh, thank you. Um, because it, there is a, a level of passion that, um, you know, when I, we were searching for demo companies back in the day, it, it was hard to find, you know, it, we felt like, uh, like a number just like mm-hmm. in, in, in that was just yeah. like passing by with you. We feel really connected. Um, and so how do you, I know this because we've talked about <laughs> this. How do you make sure that everybody's doing what they need to do and the best that they can to represent their brands? Cause at the end of the day, if one of your brand ambassadors isn't doing their job, that looks bad, you know, that you have to answer mm-hmm. to that. So how do you, how do you manage that? 
Yeah. So, you know, everyone runs into that. And over the three years, I've definitely learned like what's the best standardized practice, standardized practices to use in order to make sure we're all on the same page and everyone's doing a good job. Um, in terms of demos, the main things I think help are making sure your team knows you're available when needed. Um, there will be things that will go wrong and having your team know that you're there to help is important. So like I'm always near my phone during activation hours to make sure things are running smoothly um, because things will happen. The delivery truck won't show up. A buyer is like, oops, I know someone came in earlier this week and they told me to order, but I forgot to order. Um, so, you know, having having you be available to that and also having a plan B readily available just in case stuff like that happens um, is super important. Keeping track of time, I think, is really important in the, in the flow of the demo because at the end of the day, we're only at the store for three to four hours and we want to utilize the time as best we can. And it's not a big chunk of time. So, you know, I do, they check in with me you know, I say, hey, received at 4.01 p.m. Um, I, I note that down for me to know. And then we have timestamps of when we take the shelf picture, when we take the table picture. So I kind of know how we, how we flowed that day. Um, and also, I always let them know, let me know if you run into an issue. If you get there and nothing's on the shelf, let me know. Um, so I know why maybe the timestamp for the shelf picture might be a little later. And I can note that in my notes. Um, because it might have taken us 20 minutes to find back stock. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, keeping track of, of the flow of each demo um, so you can kind of look at your sales to the perspective of what happened that day is really important. Um, and giving reminders, simply checking, checking in like with your brand ambassadors the night before, the morning of, just to make sure everyone's on the same page. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll go, Hey, uh, ch you know, confirming today for Bryant Park from four to seven for this brand. Um, just checking you're good to go. And they text me back confirmed. I'm all set or oops, I forgot to tell you about that. I don't have any cups left. Okay, so let me get some cups in my bag and let me run down gotcha. uh, to you. Yeah, so that, that way you can step in. If there, right. If there's a promo that they know how to handle it, if there are new flavors, like you're just making sure that you got, that they're all, that you guys are all on the same page. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, you do a really great job of communicating that with us. And I think we were talking earlier that like, how many times have you, you know, maybe texted me like, hey, we're out of stock on this, but... Don't worry, because we're. This is how we're handling it. Yeah, and that's what I really appreciate about um, about how you kind of pivoted when there is a crisis or there is you. You always communicate it, no matter how bad the information is. But you never come with just like, "Hey, this is this is the problem. Now what?" Right. You always come with the solution. And and I learned from that at the beginning. Sometimes I was like, "Oh, I don't know if they want to know this bad news," and I would hold it from them. And then I just learned that communicating with the brand, letting them know what happened, is the most important thing that I can do. Um, sometimes I know like the weekends are huge for me. I mean, this yesterday I had. 10 or 12 activations in a day and I've had like on a Sunday as at most to like 18 or 20. Wow. Um, I know the brands don't want to be bothered on the weekends. Those are usually their days off. That's, that's my day that I need to take, you know, the work and the stress and say, I'm, I got this. So a lot of times I will handle the situation in real time. And then Monday I'll, I'll send them a recap of like, Hey, this is what happened this weekend. This is how I handled it. Just want to let you know. Great. Um, as, as as somebody who's been on the receiving end of that bad news, 
Thank you very much. <laughs> you're welcome. I'm sorry it happened. No, no, no. It does. It does happen. Like, you're right. Trucks don't show up. Like, shit happens. Yeah. And it's all about pivoting and course correcting. Um, and as long as you have the tools and the experience and the right attitude, I, I think, yeah. you know, it, it makes everything a little bit better. And so, it's also, like, a really big learning curve because, like, I feel like we had some of these issues at the beginning and then we all communicated on everything and now it's been, like, flowing super well. Like, oh, we've yeah. had, like, two two. <laughs> rows of product and I'm like oh man this is awesome <laughs> that's what we want like I don't want I I don't want any brand to think that I go into something being like I hope there's no product on the shelf <laughs> like I really do want everything to go as smooth as possible and I do try my best to make sure that we can utilize the three or four hours that you signed up for in whatever way we can to move product out the store amazing so how much should a demo cost I think that's like the big question I think that all depends on if you're going to run your own internal team or external team that's uh, a great follow-up question yeah. <laughs> everyone has a different base or standard for this but I mean I don't want to talk prices on what other people charge or what I charge but I know my prices are lower than a lot of other companies out there just because I'm smaller mm -hmm. and I'm only based in one region if you're going to go to a national um brand and will probably like be more and also you're not going to have uh, the correct training. You're probably not going to have the correct people. Um, I always, I, I like to say like when you are an emerging brand, if you can find those more boutique um, companies in regions that you know are important, like I would find a boutique company here in New York City. I would go find a boutique company in Chicago. Those, those places where you know, those sales are really big mm -hmm. um, for a lot of grocers. Um, find the people who are really going to focus on you instead of you getting lost um, in the kind of like national big conglomerate demo company. Now, those big demo companies are great if you need to get to the nitty gritty stores in, you know, middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to those big stores grossing millions of dollars per week, you really want to have someone who knows what they're talking about. That's that's a that's some really good advice. Um, yeah. That's something that you know, as we're growing, like we're we're looking at different options, like in these regions. We, you and I, we've talked mm -hmm. about it at length, um, and so uh, and I know that a lot of other brands are probably going through the same thing. Um, so, uh, to a follow a follow question to what you you mentioned uh, a little while ago, like if we, um, what are your thoughts on internal, like brand ambassadors versus hiring a third party company like supermarketers? So I think both are great. Whatever you want to do or whatever the brand can manage is should be the answer. Um, I think that if a brand chooses to do an internal team, they should train them appropriately or find someone to train them appropriately. So I also like have done that as well where I've hired out for people and I train them and set them up with the tools that they need and then the brand goes ahead and runs the program themselves but at that point my acting self has come in come came in mm -hmm. and said hey this is how this product needs to be pitched this is how you speak to people these are the intricacies that you need to know about the brand okay oh so you also help create internal teams and train them accordingly yes Okay, so you would also I would also say like um, if we're if you're hiring BAs internally, mm -hmm. also understanding I think a brand should understand the um, the nuances and the details of of 
of scheduling and managing all of that. Like that, that's where I think having a third party company like yourself takes a lot of pressure off, mm-hmm. especially when the team is very, very small and it's kind of hard to manage all of those details. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, like I would imagine that that would be um, something to consider as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you know we're in this in 2019. Social media is changing the world. <laughs> Have you seen in your experience social media change the model? Oh yeah, it's challenged it in a big way um, with ad space, and then there's influencers left and right. It's definitely taken some work away, um, but it will never take the work away. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. There will be nothing that can compare to your consumer tasting, touching, smelling, overall, like, experiencing your product. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that can compare to that. Amazing. Yeah. that's And that's what I love uh, uh, um, about field marketing is that mm-hmm. connecting with people. So that's always yeah. really fun. So are there any brands that come to mind that are doing it right? Aside from you. <laughs> so, um, tell me more. <laughs> yeah. I do have one brand um, that I've been working with um, called Kombucha. I've been partnering with them almost as long as I've had my company. Um, and I've been through two product changes and one big relaunch with them. Um, the reason for this is they've listened to their consumers as to what their feedback at the demo table has been. Um, so they were getting, Oh, I wish it was this or, Oh, I wish it was that. And they literally took all that information and then they followed up with more intricate surveys Mm -hmm. to make sure that the information was correct and in turn blossomed into these changes to the product that then boosted their sales. Um, all while pushing along with with demos to get the new word out, mm-hmm. like, hey, we're new and improved now. So they know, number one, the value of demos, but they also know the information that they can gain from it because now they're with a new product and they're literally, like, booming. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally went to um, Upper East Side yesterday and was training someone on a demo and talked to the buyer there and he told me, I was like, how's Kombucha doing? He's like, actually, since the rebrand, like it's been, I'm moving so many more cases a week now. Um, And I really think that because Kombucha has done demos consistently, I don't know if, I don't think they've ever missed a month with me in in the almost three years they've been with me. Um, In that time, they have taken all the information that they can get mm-hmm. to make sure that their product is as best as it can be. So listen to your consumer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And are there any mistakes, like common mistakes that you see brands make that drive you crazy? I think it starts at the very beginning and not properly hiring the right people who can be properly trained to hit those super objectives that we were talking about mm-hmm. um, is is a mistake that can be, you know, taken care of really easily so you really just need a people person for this job um and and starting at the interview process is super important for that so do if you can't meet them in person you know do go on skype like let you know see how they interact with you face to face Mm -hmm. um maybe there's a way where you could pay them for an hour to say why don't you come and and see what a demo is all about and just kind of get a feel for them Mm -hmm. shadowing you for an hour okay so really take the time Mm -hmm. to to train and find the right people. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for like the big higher grocery stores where the traffic is going to be high mm-hmm. and the person needs to be on their game. Okay. So yeah, that's some great advice, especially like in, in a market like New York City. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned earlier, there's so much foot traffic, so many dollars to be spent. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure you're maximizing that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and is there any uh, just general advice yeah. or anything that you, you really wish that companies would do? I just, I just hope people remember with anything in demos or anything else within a food or beverage, you know, emerging brand alike, there will be bumps in the road. Um, like we mentioned, delivery trucks won't make it. Buyers will forget to order. But you just need to do your best to plan, like have plan B available. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, if plan B can't happen, you need to just go back to the drawing table and say, okay, what can we do better? How can, can I communicate um, better into who in order to make sure that this doesn't happen again? Communication, yes. communication. We haven't gotten to that word yet as much as I'd like to, but communication is like, Key. The most important thing, yeah, yeah, key. yeah. That's a, that's something like a reoccurring theme mm-hmm. and thing that um, Allie has really um, put a lot of emphasis on at Haven's Kitchen. Just the importance of communicating and just being open and honest with each other and being transparent. That's something that I personally love about about Haven's Kitchen, yeah. um, and something that has proven to be very useful in our relationship. Yeah, um, in our relationships with you know with all the with everybody that we that we deal with. So I think that. Um, that's some really important takeaways. Totally. Great communication. <laughs> um, is there anything else before we wrap up? Like, what's the most fun that you've had in this time that you've been doing demos? Uh, my most fun that I have is, like, during events because my super objective changes from I have to sell this product to I just need to educate, have fun with the consumer, let them know who we are, who we're about. Um, so I'd say events are definitely in like my fun place. Um, what I would say, like if I have anything, like any other, you know, two cents to put in about, um, demos is I think companies miss the importance of the person behind the table, um, where a lot of like, I feel like a lot of brands are like, I want our table to look gorgeous. And they're focusing on like the branding aspect. And yes, like your branding is really important, but I've sold 50 of an item with just a black tablecloth and a collapsible bucket. (laughs) And I've sold 50 of the same item with the most beautiful demo setup. So the point to this like example is it doesn't matter what the table is dressed with. Although, you know, the basics of a branded table are always nice, but it does matter if your brand ambassador is conveying the right information with poise and with a smile. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Great. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for your time. This has been amazing. Um, Our engineer, Matt, is away as well. And Allie will be back next week. So thank you, Amanda, who is subbing for Matt. And... Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the food world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. 
Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thank you for listening.